today is going to be kind of a special episode. Today's episode is going to serve as sort of a pre-concert lecture for Sound of Ages National ACDA Conference Performance Songs of Praise. If you're not an ACDA member or didn't attend the virtual conference, the video of Songs of Praise is now available on soundofageschoir.com. So today we'll go a little bit into depth into the pieces that are on the program by Jeswaldo, Cecilia McDowell, Thomas Tallis, and Ken Burton. This is Early Music Monday. So, songs of praise. Programming a concert is a really interesting experience, and I'll probably go into more in depth about my process of programming, like where I start and all that stuff, and how I get to the end product in a later episode. But for today, I really just want to set up and give some some deep dives into the music that we have for Songs of Praise. Now, I get super psyched when I go to program music. I am a big-time nerd, so research and picking music is one of my favorite parts of the job. It's literally like a treasure hunt. And you have to find the right piece that fits in, and you have to find the combination of textures and time periods, and it's just... Uh, nerd alert moment, but it's really fun. So, to start, the goal of Sound of Ages is to bring early music out of the museum. In order to do that, I feel like it's necessary to find connections between early music and then the music of all other time periods. And it doesn't really matter what time period, but there are musical and non-musical connections from early music anywhere, because early music is the foundation, the building block, the stone, to Western classical music as a whole. So we start with Jeswaldo. I have been on a Jeswaldo like trip for the last, I don't know, six months or so. And I knew I wanted to do a Jeswaldo piece. <clears throat> I just didn't know which one. So I, and I hadn't picked a theme yet for the concert, so I was just exploring the world of Jeswaldo. And I found Ave Dulcissima Maria. The reason why this piece stuck out to me so much is because when you think about Jeswaldo's life and how insane it was, we tend to think of, you know, the murder and the chromatic madrigals and all of that sort of thing, but he had this sort of almost turn, and this is debated among scholars, but he had this turn towards the light toward absolution and penitence toward the end of his life. And it's really indicated by a painting he had commissioned of him and his son who had passed away. And so this piece is really simple, 
compared to much of his other works. But it he just can't get away from himself. And so there's this Jeswaldo flair to it that you still have these chromatic chords that make your ears perk up. It almost makes you sit up in your chair and look around like, wait, what? You're just sitting there meditating, thinking about the beauty of the music, and you hear those chords, and you're just like, whoa, where did that come from? And even though it's more subtle in this piece and mild, he just can't quite get away from himself in terms of style. And it's amazing. I love it. I freaking love Giswaldo. Oh, it's so cool. Because Man, because it's so different, right? There's all of this color happening. And you don't get that sometimes from... I mean, I also nerd out about Palestrina and about the high Renaissance, quote-unquote, traditional Renaissance composers that you think of. But there's something really exciting and different and new about Jeswaldo. So here's a short clip. Ave Dulcissima Maria by Jeswaldo, illustrating the colorful harmonic language mixed with melodic line that Jeswaldo is so famous for. So then as I got thinking about what piece to pair with Jeswaldo, I thought about almost instantly Cecilia McDowell. Cecilia McDowell really has, when I think of her music, the word that comes to mind is colorful. She has lots of really great rhythmic textures, like the rhythm and mixed meter and articulation give it this really, even her music that's not bouncy and staccato and lively when it's solemn it still has this rhythmic element that is hard to get away from and she also has this great balance of melodic line modal figures like alternated um, alternative scales and then this really colorful harmonic language with dissonance that resolves to open consonants a lot or traditional consonants. And her music is really exciting. And when I heard Regina Celli, I thought, whoa, that is exactly the same concept as Jeswaldo. It starts with these big chords, dissonances, resolving the sense of mystery, and then it gets right into unison, almost chant, but in asymmetrical meter. So it feels kind of dance-like, but with this intermixed feeling of chant. So there are so many elements from early music that are incorporated in her works, and I feel like the connection to Jeswaldo in terms of her texture her harmonic language, the philosophies behind those are really similar, just separated out by a couple hundred years. So there's this really great moment where we hear, you know, unison and then big chords and then subtle texture, smaller texture, then 
big chords. And so, which, again, Jeswaldo is all about contrast, too. This kind of light, dark, chromatic, dissonance, consonance battle. And I think this piece illustrates that same exact mindset. So, And it's also a text about Mary praising the Virgin Mary. So the connections there, and those connections are just some of the ones that I'm sure you could find. But as you listen, you can really hear how those pieces go together. So here's a short clip illustrating that back-and-forth texture that's demonstrated in McDowell's piece. In this next set of two pieces, the title of the second piece kind of gives away the the connection between the Thomas Tallis and the Ken Burton, since the title of the Thomas Tallis piece is in the title of the Ken Burton piece. But there are some things that I can go deeper into that will kind of explain those connections a little bit more. So I'm just going to talk about the two of these side by side for a second. The first one starts off with a cantor singing, you know, an incipit is what it's called, of, of a chant to set up the rest of the text. And Ken Burton's piece starts with the same incipit, but then goes on into a more gospel-influenced solo. So the genius thing about the Ken Burton piece is that he takes Thomas Tallis and says, huh, what if Renaissance met gospel music? That could be cool, and he does it. It is genius. When I first heard this piece, I listened to it like six times, and I was singing it for days. I couldn't go to sleep. When I hear a new piece sometimes and I listen to it right before bed, I literally can't go to sleep because the melody is in my head just like playing on repeat. So I have to put The Office on my phone and try to focus on that in order for me to fall asleep. And that's what was happening. It was crazy. So he takes... This thick texture, Thomas Tallis's piece, Lo Quibanto, has seven parts, S-S-A-A-T-T-B, and it's all about the apostles on the day of Pentecost speaking in tongues, praising with the words Alleluia at the end. So you'll hear, you know, this thick polyphonic texture, everyone singing their own line, very melodic, very... Um, idiomatic, I guess is the word, of Talus's style, and then interspersed with these lines of chant and coming back then a couple times to the phrase Alleluia, I guess the word Alleluia. And the cool thing is, is that several times throughout the piece, like, often we hear that cross-relation where you hear a natural, like a flat third and a raised third at the same time. And it really gives this harsh moment of dissonance for just a split second. But because there's so many voices happening, you don't notice it as much as if it was maybe a four-voice motet. 
but when it's that thick, it almost just sounds like things go fuzzy for just a split second. It's like you're focusing a camera lens and you you pass the fuzzy part back to the clear part. That would be my analogy for it. And that was really, really a popular figure, musical figure in Thomas Tallis's time. And so the cool thing that Ken Burton's done is when he has his big wall of sound moment at the end of the piece that comes back twice, it's saying the same words of Alleluia, but each part is singing a mode or a scale that's indicative of certain cultures and countries' folk music. So the whole speaking in tongues, he's kind of having the choir speak in musical tongues while achieving that same cross-relation figure because they have different scales happening at the same time. Oh, it's genius. It is so genius. Um, I keep trying to reach out to Ken Burton to have him on the show, and so hopefully sometime he'll he'll be able to come on and talk about this piece more in depth and uh, give us his thoughts about composition but it's really, really cool. So he takes Renaissance, Thomas Tallis, and then makes it gospel. And so when you hear them back to back, you can really hear the connections between the two. The texture is just this thick seven-part texture most of the time interspersed with solo voice. So you hear this back and forth, just like you do in the McDowell, just like you do... You don't hear it exactly in Jeswaldo, but you hear this kind of polyphonic thing happening, and then all of a sudden they're all in homophonic texture. So there's sort of this back and forth of texture and style almost within each piece and between each piece, kind of illustrating the dis- the back and forth that we have with God when we you know pray or meditate or whatever it is that you do to reach out to whatever higher power you believe in and then finding a way to receive it back. And that back and forth, I think, is really illustrated well in these pieces of music. So I'll play really quick a clip of the Thomas Tallis and it will fade and it'll fade right to a clip of Many Are the Wonders by Ken Burton. And you can see you know, straight across from each other, how those two pieces are connected. Okay, thanks for joining me today for Early Music Monday, our little pre-concert lecture for Songs of Praise. And I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I like talking about it. Uh, the virtual concert can be found at Sound of Ages Choir slash events. Tickets to the virtual concert are $4.99 for purchase, and then that video is available indefinitely for streaming on soundofageschoir.com. 
Feel free to share the trailer and give the show a like and a rating and a review. Be sure to look up, be on the lookout for more Sound of Ages content coming to you soon, and we'll catch you next time on Early Music Monday.